This sermon is the last in the series that started with the message entitled Extravagant Love, followed by Living in Love, Flowing in Love, and today I'm addressing the subject of Dying in Love. My text scriptures to the series have been 1 John 4.10, This is love, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Obviously, we've got something different there. 1 John 4.10, I must have a different translation. Listen to mine. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Then we went to Ephesians 5.2. Live a life of love. Live a life of love. Listen to what the message translation says. Ephesians 5.2. Yeah, that's different too. Listen to mine. Mostly what God does is love you. Perhaps if you take that off, David, they're going to get confused. I'm confused now too. So are you. Who knows? Mostly what God does does is love us. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. That's just the foundational scriptures. Okay, the question. In living in God's love, why talk about dying? Well, it's an experience connected with the experience of life. It's a part of life. It happens to us all. The wheels fall off. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 and 2 says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. So death is universal and we are actually surrounded by reminders of the reality of death. Just to help, I've got some photos to show you. Firstly, that's the Waverley Cemetery in Sydney. We now go to Italy, Cassio War Cemetery in Italy. We now go to Greece, this is Agostoli. I love the crosses. We go to France, Saint-Tropez. Nice little spot to be buried, I reckon. Spain, Barcelona, if you like climbing, climbing hills. And to Nice in France, what a beautiful cemetery. See, they remind us that death happens everywhere to everyone. What about individual graves, headstones, inscriptions? They carry a message. Here's a memorial crypt in Sydney. Allah Natural in Sydney. Creative and lovely. Fallen over in Edinburgh. The Cross of Christ in Sydney and under the watchful eye of Jesus. You'd feel safe in that grave, wouldn't you? If we look at our papers, we're reminded of the fact that people die every day if we go to the death notices. The epitaph on a grave headstone says it all. It reads, Remember friends as you pass by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. So prepare yourself to follow me. 
What's my fascination with cemeteries and headstones? Well, I find they speak so plainly and powerfully about life, death, God and the gospel. Cemeteries and inscriptions on headstones fill me with emotions of both sadness and joy. Thanks, Dave. Not ready for that one yet. <laughs> Is it sounding ne negative? Well, well, please don't go anywhere. It's going to get bigger, it's going to get brighter, and it's going to get better. Yes, tears, grief, and sadness, but joy, hope, and gladness. Death is a reality that we all face. And, and you know, it's not healthy to avoid reality. One person said, I'm scared to death about dying. The other one said, I'm not scared about dying. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> the Bible doesn't avoid the subject. In fact, it's full of it. The word death appears over 400 times in the Bible. The words die and dying appear over 600 times. So that's over a thousand times. The Bible's full of the subject of death. I want to look at what David Watson said. I've spoken to you about him before. Pastor, teacher, author. He was diagnosed with cancer as a 50-year-old. He was given one month to live. And during that period of time, he was interviewed by the BBC about what he thought about being sick with cancer and, and possibly going to die in a few months' time. The interview was put on air on local BBC and World Service BBC. In his book, Fear No Evil, he says, I was staggered by the number of people in many parts of the world who heard the broadcast and equally amazed by the impact it was apparently making. It was a reminder to me of the enormous interest in or anxiety about death. It is our one future certainty and there are no answers to it apart from Christ. The only way to conquer fears is to face them. I wanted to share the wonderful hope that we have as Christians. Whatever the future may hold, and to speak honestly about my experience of God's love and power in the midst of human struggle and anxiety. So let's go on this journey to life and a life more abundantly. Okay, a few facts. Firstly, life is short. Remember Rebecca Wilson, journalist? She died at 54 years of age of cancer, October 2016. His son, Will, said in his eulogy to his mum, he has learnt a most valuable lesson through his mum's death, and that was, life is short, unbearably short. The Bible speaks of this very clearly. It describes our life as being like grass that withers and flowers that fall. A passing breeze, but dust, a hand breath, a fleeting breath. Our days quickly pass, are filled with trouble and sorrow, and then we fly away. I think the psalmist was having a bad day when he wrote that one. <laughs> You're a mist that happens for a little while and then vanishes. So Pope Paul said, Someone should tell us right from the start our lives of our lives that we are dying. Then we might live life to the most every minute of every day. 
Do it, I say. Whatever you want to do, do it now. There are only so many tomorrows. Mike Willisey, TV journalist, who is suffering with cancer of the throat and has come to faith in Jesus, said, Deathy reasons has happened to a lot of people. There is great, great equality in death. He writes, he may be dying, but everyone else is too, which means he may as well brush the prospect aside. Not sure about that one, but I know what he's saying. And so with a prayer and a punt, that's what I will do. He says, I will get on with my life. So life is short. This fact does carry a message, as the Pope said. Do it, do it now, get on with it, don't waste a moment. Now we go to the next slide. When you come out of the main gates of the cemetery in central Edinburgh, that's what you read. I just think, what a good message. Live, laugh and love. I want to read to you what David Watson says. I cannot know that I shall have 10 or 20 years more to live. I cannot know that I have even one. But that is also true of every one of us. With all our planning for the future, we need to live a day at a time and enjoy each day as a gift from God. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Some Christians speak of the sacrament of the present moment. We need to live not just a day at a time, but moment by moment, seeking to do God's will for each moment of life. That alone is the way in which we can know the fullness of God's joy and peace. The brevity of life and reality of death speaks a louder message, though, I believe, than the fact that life is short. Get on with it. And the louder message leads us to ask a deeper question, what is death? What happens at death? Now this is the substance of the message today and really where the message of the Bible takes us. In fact, the Bible says that this life now is not what it's all about. It says of Abraham, he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder were God. It says of God's people, God's people are longing for a better country, a heavenly one. God has prepared a city for them. It says to us Christians, you are a chosen people. I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world. Did you know we're aliens? We're aliens and strangers in this world. We're on a journey to a better place. We're passing through. This is the message. There's more to come. In fact, the best is yet to come. However, this part of the journey is to be appreciated, respected and enjoyed. In fact, being born and living as a traveller on this earth is essential for us to make it to the new earth. But the point is that death is not the terminus. The bus travels a lot further. When you think of the bus being on it, we have to have a ticket to get to eternity. It's offered to us by the bus driver whose name is Jesus. If we do not have a ticket to eternity, we're going to be in serious trouble when the inspector comes by. 
The inspector of tickets is God the Father. Over my years of pastoral ministry, I've officiated at many funeral services and I count it a privilege to do so. It's a sad time. People are hurting. Grief is relevant and right. A death notice in the advertiser expresses this pain. Passed away peacefully, aged 23 years. No word will explain what I'm feeling inside. I can't describe. I love you with all my heart. My love is a bond that won't be broken. Though life will never be the same without you, I will still smile whenever I hear your name. I will stand proud and say, that's my son, love from mum. Yes, it's a time of sadness, loss, tears and grief. But I want to say, there's a message of hope that's bigger than death and the grave. I do like, now I love to share this hope with due respect and sensitivity. Two importance, an important suggestion. Whilst it is true, twix saddle and the ground mercy sought, mercy found, that's true. Don't wait until your deathbed to think and do something about this gift of eternal life. So what is death? Death is not cessation, it's separation. Our understanding begins back in Genesis. Two trees in the garden. The tree of life, which represents living in relationship with God and submission to him, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is really the tree of death. God said to Adam and Eve, if you eat of the fruit of the tree of good and evil, you will surely die. See, the tree represents our submission to God or rebellion against him, life with him or without him. Eating from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil is really saying to God, God, I want to do things my way. I want to be God in my life, thank you. And so they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They backed away, they separated themselves from God. They took the first move, made the first step. Then God backed away, separated themselves, separated himself from them. They became sinners. They were separated from God. That's what death is. They had died spiritually. They no longer had access to the tree of life. In due season, they died physically. Remember, death means separation. So physical death is when our spirit or our soul is separated from the body. So death means separation, not cessation. The Bible sums the situation up with these few words. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. However, here's the good news. Sin and death do not have the last word because we read on and see, yes, the wages of sin is death, back where we were, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So this passage, I, I've said death is mentioned many times in the Bible, but this message, this is the message of the Bible. It's our hope. It fills the pages of the Bible. It's the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. 
I want you to listen to these scriptures that speak of the journey from death to life. These scriptures represent our stepping stones from death across the river to life. Listen to them. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Romans 3.23, for all of sin, bad luck guys, all fall short of the glory of God. One, John 1.29, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, that we might come back into relationship, be right with God in other words. Come to Romans 5, 6 and 8. Here we go. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, lost in our sin, Christ died for the ungodly. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We move on to John 3.16. You don't even need to, for God so loved the world. It's all about love. God so loved the world that he gave his only one his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not die, shall not die, but have eternal life. And so we rejoice and read the words of Psalm 116. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Hey, the good news for us in Christ, all these words have a literal application. For the Christian, physical death becomes not doom, but a doorway into the presence of God. Scripture confirms nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing, nothing can separate us from God's love. It says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. We're blessed if we die in the Lord. Paul said, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Yeah, the best is yet to come, he's saying. Away from the body, Paul says, at home with the Lord. Maybe a bit more clarity is needed. Remember in the Genesis story, spiritual death occurred first when they ate of the tree of disobedience, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and said, God, out of here, I want to be God in my own life. Well, God departed and they died, they died spiritually. That occurred first and then physical death followed later. Now, it's the same in reverse. Spiritual life comes first when we accept Jesus as our saviour and, and, and we're born again of the spirit. Spiritual life comes first. Our physical salvation follows later. When we accept Jesus as our saviour, make him our Lord, God gives us with spiritual life. We're born again of his spirit, we become spirit-born children. We are spiritually alive again, not separated from God. We're in relationship with him, isn't that fantastic? He's our father. We're his sons, his daughters. Our relationship with God is restored, but our bodies are still subject to death. Our Eternal spirit is living in a body that's wearing out, sadly. Paul says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. However, 
The good news is, salvation is for the whole person, spirit, soul and body. I, I like to refer to the soul as who we are. Connect a spirit and a body and you've got a soul. It's the person. Soul is who we are. Salvation is for the whole person. Paul says in Corinthians, Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly body. Ever groan? I do, get in the morning and knees aren't as good as they used to be and, oh, I look like an older man when I get up. Until I get going, I groan. When, how, when does this happen? When do we get our heavenly bodies? This is my understanding. At physical death, our body and our spirit are separated. Our spirit goes into the presence of God, the care of God, alive and well. Our body to the grave. Both spirit and body await the outworking of full salvation. It's called Resurrection Day, when spirit and resurrected body will be reunited. So when does this occur? When Jesus returns, his second coming, he's coming back. We read in Thessalonians, the Lord himself will come down from heaven and the dead in Christ will rise first. Those cemeteries are going to be messed up a bit. After that, we who are still alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Amazing. We will all have bodies like that of the risen Jesus, our heavenly bodies. Let's just have a look at 1 Corinthians. Verses 35, 36. Someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. I'm going to add 37. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed. We go on to verse 42. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonour. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, we're living in them now, there is also a spiritual body. Go on to 53. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? And where, O oh death, is your, sin, your, your sting? <laughs> What great words. I'm going to say them again and not muck it up. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? My understanding of events. Jesus is going to return. The resurrection of the dead in Christ will occur and those that are believing at that time will be transformed and taken up to be with Jesus and the resurrected dead. The marriage supper of the Lamb follows when Christ and his bride, the church, are together. Now, my thinking is that's going to occur somewhere up in the heavenlies as the earth is reformed and shaped and judgment occurs because we move on to Rev 20. Judgment of those who have not come to God through Jesus. 
will occur. We're not going to be a part of that. Better not to be in this group of people. And then we all return to the newly formed heaven and earth. We take up our dwelling. The heaven and earth will be united and transformed, all things made new. And, you know, we're groaning in our bodies. The Bible says even the earth is groaning because it's subject to, to the, the curse of God. And so it's, it's going to be renewed. Everything is going to be new. Revelation 21 says God will be with us. Jesus will be with us. There'll be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying or pain. The old order of things has passed away. We're living in the old order now. The new order is coming. Okay, here's the big question. Will it be good? Sometimes in my moments of thinking, I think, oh, eternity. I hope I don't get bored. And then I think, how long are the song services going to last? Because some people, you've heard me say this, some people like Kathy want them to go for a thousand years. <laughs> and I think, oh, I couldn't handle a thousand year song service. And I have a plan. I'm going to sneak out after 20 minutes. <laughs> I'm going to sit down at a coffee cafe, get my cappuccino. I'll be reading my advertiser. There'll be no death notices in it. And I'll be reading and I'll, I'll hear this little tap and I'll lower it. You know who it will be? Jesus. You say, I've had enough of that too. Can I join you? <laughs> I had never really been out of Australia. I had been to PNG and my Aunt Martin, they were amazing. I'd never been to Europe and my wife had wanted me to, to go to Europe with her. She was born in Trieste, Italy. I thought, I don't need them. I'm Aussie, I'm just going to travel around Australia, that'll do me. But in 2012, I went to Europe. I realised that I had been ignorant. It was amazing. The little towns, the rivers, the lakes, the cities, the ambience of the place blew me away. I was so glad that Narina took me to Italy and Europe. It was fantastic. Well, heaven on earth is going to be amazing, guys. It's going to be amazing. Paul said... Well, Peter said the glory is going to be revealed. Paul said he was caught up to paradise on one occasion and he said he heard inexpressible things. They're inexpressible. And Paul said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And, and we're told when perfection comes, it's going to be perfect. Listen to what Scott Blackwell says. The simple truth is that God's revealed plan and purpose for us is far more magnificent and far more glorious than anything we might be able to imagine for ourselves. It is a future that, when rightly understood, fills our eyes with tears of wonder and bends our knees in adoration of true worship. It is a promise of deep and eternal healing. It is a vision of all things wholly reconciled. It is a picture of the kingdom of God in in all its completeness. It is the risen Christ standing as at the beginning and the end of all. To grasp this future hope is life transforming. David Watson, I've referred to him a couple of times already, in Fear No Evil says, 
Heaven will be like turning on full light. The perfection will be there for us to enjoy, undefiled, unflickering and unfading. In one sense, the Christian is not preparing for death, essentially is preparing for life, abundant life in all its fullness. The world with its fleeting pleasures is not the final reality. The best and purest joys on earth are only a shadow of the reality that God has prepared for us in Christ. Eternal life begins as soon as we receive Christ as Saviour. We've talked about that. We can start enjoying it now. Let's do it. In increasing measure and should be preparing, not for death but for the consummation of that perfect quality of life when we're completely in God's presence forever. Bill Hybel says in his book, Descending into Greatness, Jesus walked the hard road with commitment, purpose and discipline and consistency. He knew that in the end, beyond the cross, was a joy that could rock the deepest grave. My summary, it's going to be good. It's going to rock. The best is yet to come. What a difference it makes, dying in God's love. Listen to the deathbed words, Voltaire, non-Christian, his last words. I'm abandoned by God and man. I shall go to hell, O Christ, O Christ. Charles, King of France. What blood, what murders, what evil counsels I have followed. I am lost. I see it well. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Christian, before being executed by Nazi Germany. This is the end for me, the beginning of my life. Augustus Toplady, Christian, who died at 38 years of age. I enjoy heaven already in my soul. Billy Graham's mother, I see Jesus. John Newton, author of the song Amazing Grace, I am in the land of the dying and I'm soon going to be in the land of the living. Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, I can hear them coming. Don't you hear them? This is my coronation day. I can see the chariots. I'm ready to board. Sir Thomas Scott, atheist, until this moment I thought there was neither God nor hell. Now I know there are both. I am doomed to perdition by the just judgment of the Almighty. David Hume, atheist, I am in flames. Billy Graham, someday you'll read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't you believe a word of it. I shall be more alive than I am now. I will just have changed my address. I will have gone into the presence of God. This hope can dramatically affect the way we live now and how we handle life. Just a couple of illustrations because time's running out. William Wilberforce said, the Christian is but a traveller. He prepares for all of life's difficulties. His journey will be through a country beset with many enemies and snares. He knows he must expect them in the stormy, uncertain climate of the world. But he is travelling to a better country of unclouded light and serenity. If the journey is a little disagreeable, he'll be less likely to loiter on the way. And he can enjoy what is beautiful and examine what is curious. Thankfulness refreshes him. Charles was 18 years of age. He was in his car, in his parents' car, heading to church with mum and dad, his brother and sister. 
They're involved in an awful accident. The book says the car came barreling through a stop sign. Charles, at 18 years of age, died. Listen to what his parents wrote. Through this tragedy, my wife and I have grown closer to God. When things like this happen, you find out how delicate life is and how quickly things can change. Our time on earth is short. This is not our final destination. I know we will still see Charles again. And we will be with him in heaven longer than we have been with him down here on earth. This, this, this is a great, great, great hope that we'll meet again. A death notice. God saw you getting tired and a cure was not to be. He put his arms around you and whispered, come to me. Your journey came to an end. Our hearts broke on that day. Although we loved you dearly, we would not make you stay. God knew that you had to leave us but you didn't go alone. A part of us went with you the day he took you home. You fought it all with courage. Not once did you complain. Your home is now in heaven where we will make meet again. What a difference it makes to know we're going to meet our loved ones again. And, and you know, I, I just think this is a beautiful. Jesus said, such as these little kids is the kingdom of heaven. I believe that children in the womb who die at birth and sadly I conducted a funeral of a little girl who died in the womb and was born dead. Little children that die and until children reach the age of accountability where they're accountable for their own decisions. I believe they go straight into the presence of God. And I just think, what a beautiful thing it's going to be when mum and dad meet that child in heaven. I don't know. I don't know that there's going to be babies and kids. My picture is this beautiful young man or a beautiful young lady is going to come up and say, hi, mum. <laughs> Won't that be a beautiful thing? Sorry. Now, we're moving on. David Watson says, as he's dying, whatever else is happening to me physically, God is working deeply in my life. His challenge to me can be summed up in three words. Seek my face. I'm not now clinging to physical life. I'm clinging to the Lord. I'm ready to go and be with Christ forever. That would be literally heaven, but I'm equally ready to stay if that is what God wants. Father, not my will, but yours be done. In that position of security, I've experienced once again his perfect love, a love that casts out fear. That's a couple of illustrations. Let's see what the Bible says about this journey of life. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. This is life. 
Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The challenge, it's obvious, got to go through it quickly. Remember the little poem on the headstone? Remember, friends, as you pass by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you'll be. So prepare yourself to follow me. Be prepared for our death. Invest in God's gracious gift. Make peace with God. Let Jesus be our saviour. Be forgiven and cleansed from sin. Be saved, born again of God's spirit. Become a child of God. Back in relationship with him, he's our father. However, we don't just come to God because of the reward of eternal life. I said earlier in the sermon, being born into this world, being alive gives us a chance to get a ticket into eternity. But I want to say it's not just about, oh, I'll have a ticket, I'll live forever, thank God. It's more than a transaction. We come to him because we see our sinfulness and moved by his love, his death in our place. We come because we see and feel his love, his grace. We want to be with him and live to please him. If we come to the giver, we get the gift. Embrace the giver and the gift comes attached. I don't know where it started, but kids come to me to get a peppermint. I think they come to David too. That must be a pastoral thing, but it happens somewhere along the way. And so kids, they, they run up to me. Can I have a peppermint? And I say, if you come to me because you love me or because you love the peppermints, <laughs> most of them are honest and say, we just want a peppermint. <laughs> but some of them say, I just came to see you, but I wouldn't mind a peppermint. The thing is, they all get a peppermint, but if they say, David, I just wanted to say hello to you, they get a peppermint and we share our love. Remember how the sermon started? God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in him live a life of love. Last photo, nearly there. The Cassio Wharf Cemetery. He died that we might live. We say thank you to that soldier. Jesus did exactly that, but there's one big difference. He has no headstone. There is no grave. Do you know why? He's not dead. He's risen. I love the words the angel shared to the women that came on Sunday morning to the tomb. The angel said, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. So, the words of the song, because he lives I can face tomorrow, because he lives all fear is gone, because I know he holds the future. Life's worth living just because he lives. 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. So I conclude, the best way to die is in God's loving arms. A blessing, and then it's over to Wayne and the music team. Second Thessalonians 
May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us by his grace and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your heart and strengthen you in every good deed and word. I trust, although it's a difficult subject, I trust that our hearts have been encouraged and strengthened today. Thank you, Wayne.